Christensen, one of the pastor elders here, and occasionally they, they push me out of the sound booth so I can uh, minister uh, the word of God. Um, what do you think? This is a song. And, and it's, it's, oh, wow, there's tambourines going and everything. Um, uh, well, I'm going to focus on the song, um, and we're going to explore, you know, what, what is singing? I'd like you to think for just a moment. Why do we sing? Why, why, why do we sing? And, and I've had people on occasion ask me, how do you pick the songs that, that we worship to? How, you know, where, where are these songs coming from? Why, why can't we sing this song or that song? Well, I'd like to think that it's fairly simple. Uh, we're here for God, right? We're here to worship God. So our songs need to bring glory to God. That's number one. We've got to have spirit-filled, you know, God-glorifying music. And then uh, theologically deep, th there needs to be a message in our, our song, in our singing, a, a message that is correct biblically. So, so let's get some theologically correct music. Yeah, it's, it's tempting, you know, music, it makes us feel good, right? Every culture has their own music. And yet, you know, if you sing Alleluia, Alleluia over and over again, it, you, you feel good, but it, it just is not giving us a message. We want theologically correct uh, music. Jesus. We need Jesus in our music, right? We need the gospel, the good news of Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we're worshiping. And, and then, uh, of course, we, we need to have a mix of old and new songs. We need to have songs that are easy to sing. There's lots of good things on the radio. Uh, they just won't make it into a worship service. They're just so complex. They're hard to sing. Um, we, uh, we have uh, wonderful Christian music on the radio, and I'd encourage you to, whatever you're listening to, try it out if you haven't. Uh, I'm told the number one radio station is WIL, Country Western. But let's, let's, go, let's go for some Christian music. Uh, let me give a shout out to our Minister of Music, Chris, you are awesome. Um, it's not a trivial matter. Yes, thank you, Jesus, for Chris. Uh, to choose, prepare, practice, perform, lead us in worship. How many of you would rather be up here? I mean, it's hard work. It's hard work. Um, thank you, Chris. So you got it? God glorifying, theologically correct, gospel-driven, easy to sing. That's what we want. Paul summarizes in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. You got it? Word of Christ, rich, 
word of Christ, teaching us, warning us with wisdom, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and how do we sing? Thanksgiving in our hearts to God. So Exodus 15, a fantastic drama has unfolded. Those plagues, I tell you, you just, oh, one plague after another. And, and then the Pharaoh, wow. I mean, oh, don't get me started talking about the Pharaoh. Um, they're out of Egypt, okay. The Red Sea parted. The soldiers were crushed by the water as the Red Sea collapsed on them. And now... They're singing. Would you sing? Would you sing if you were released from slavery, the idolatry, the bondage to the pharaohs? I mean, uh, the, the first pharaoh put their children to death. For goodness sakes, um, what would you do if you were freed? Would you sing? Well, they are, and let's have a look at their song. Uh, I, I see stanzas here. The, the first three verses um, are a start and tell us what the song is about. Uh, we don't know anything, of course, about the rhythm, harmony, melody, but we do have content. We can see what were they singing? What are they singing about? Uh, we see, first of all, it's not about them. It's about God. It's about the Lord. He has triumphed gloriously. God is their strength. God is their song. God is their salvation. Is it anything they did? No. Yeah, and they recognize it. They, they got it right at this point. Even their song isn't about them. God is their song. God has triumphed. God is glorified. God is their strength. God is their song. Salvation. Uh, the word salvation is noteworthy. The Hebrew word Yeshua is salvation. The Hebrew for Jehovah, our salvation, is Iesus, which translates into the English word Jesus. Iesus, Jesus. Yeah, so remember those plagues. Why did God do it? Um, in Back in chapter 9, verse 14, God says, So you may know there is none like God. And they, they got it. They got that in this song. Uh, in chapter 8, 22, you may know that he is God. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they got it. I think the Egyptians, too, I think they understood God was glorified, it was God's glory. In their song, there's praise, exaltation of God. Now the second stanza in verses four through 10 tells us what God did. What did God do? Look, God has declared, and this, this, is, this may rub some of you the wrong way, He's declared to be a man of war. Uh, and this is not, this does not sound politically correct. Have you ever told people that God is a man of war? Mm, oh, 
uh, Campus Crusade for Christ changed their name to crew because the word crusade has negative connotation. So how about it? Is God a man of war? Yeah, yeah. He, he is to the Israelites. How about for us in our life? Is he a man of war fighting for you, leading you, winning battles for you? Yeah, yeah. God is a man of war. It, it's tempting to just think of God as warm, fluffy grandfather out there someplace, but the enemies involved, the enemies of God who oppose him are shattered. His power is glorious. He is intimately involved in protecting and guiding our lives. Look at what he did for the Israelites. The greatness of his majesty overthrows his adversaries. Do you want to oppose God? We often point our finger to Pharaoh as the major enemy here, but, but look at what they were singing about. Who is killed, shattered, sunk in the sea by the hand of God? It is those who follow the enemies of God. They're destroyed. Uh, we cannot play the blame game. The soldiers' selfish desires put them in opposition to God it says the chosen officers were not just following orders, they were responsible for their actions before God. So are we. What happens to those who oppose God? There's three words I'm gonna give you, are you ready? Sink, sank, sunk. Verse five says they sank like a stone. There are words used, very descriptive, words like shattered overthrown, fury, consumed like stubble. The blast from God's nostrils parted the Red Sea. Great imagery here. And I'm a little uncomfortable with this image. Uh, it says, the deeps congealed the Egyptian soldiers in the heart of the sea. I mean, I'm, I'm just, gosh, being congealed in the sea. That, that, is, that does not sound good. So in case you're feeling sorry for the poor soldiers just following that crazy pharaoh, look at verse 9. The enemy said, and this is the soldiers, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Uh, there, so there's, there's two different forces opposing God here. We've got the Pharaoh, his heart of stone, uh, and then we've got those following Pharaoh. Um, people who see God's children want to take advantage of them, want to hurt them, want to destroy them. Um, the, Israel, the Egyptians lived through the miraculous plagues. They saw the miracles, the parting of the water, and yet they chose to try and destroy God's people for selfish spoils. It makes me wonder about today, can we pray 
that God today, our man of war, will actively protect us from those who would want to destroy us for selfish gain. So yes, the Israelites got it. They were strong. They sang of God's strengths. They did not save themselves. They sang God was their salvation for the moment they sang. Soon, however, there would be grumbling, whining, disobedience, 40 long years of wandering in the wilderness. Uh, their history would be pockmarked with confusion, turning from God, but right now it looked pretty good. And they're singing. Ready for a third stanza. Verses 11 through 13 describe some characteristics of God who is this God, and we've got some rich details. Uh, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among gods? He's above all things. God is, he, he is above everything. Uh, he's majestic in holiness. The word majestic is also the same word used for glorious in verse 6. Glorious, majestic God above everything. Uh, we see the hand of God, wonderful image, God's hands. How does God hold you? What's your relationship to God's hand? Holiness, of course, is the separateness that God has, his sacredness, his apartness. He's perfect and powerful, performs awesome wonders. No debate there. I mean, look at what happened in Egypt. They sang of the perfect control of nature that God has. We see God's wrath and judgment. He stretched out his hand and the earth swallowed them. They're singing about it, redeemed. It means purchased. God bought back his children from slavery. Uh, he did what it took to save them. We see mention of God's guidance, his strength, his life, uh, to his abode. What is, where is God's abode? Heaven. He guides us, protects us, he leads us through this life to the life with him, to his abode. Um, we see glimpses from the Israelite of repentance and turning to God. Uh, God is glorious, majestic out there, powerful out there, creator out there, perfect control of nature. He's redeeming them. He's steadfast and strong. He's out there holy. He's out there destroying those who cling to sin, those who oppose him. Their bodies are congealing in the sea. But do we want God to be out there? No. You see, uh, 
remember what I said about worship music. We look for God-glorifying, theologically correct, gospel-driven music. There's something very, very important missing from this song. Can you see it? Do you know it? Do you know what's missing? How, how can they turn so quickly from God? How can they become so hostile to Moses? Uh, some of you know what's missing. Hmm, the gospel? Yeah, is the gospel uh, missing? You see, God shouldn't be just out there. He, he should be here. He should be in here. Come, come here, God. Come here. We need you. And we do see them turning in repentance to God. Um, occasionally, but they're not quite there yet. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Jeremiah writes, Circumcise to the Lord, remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of your evil deeds. Jeremiah told them they had a heart problem. And, and it, it's hard to see when, when they're dancing and singing the majesty of God until a little later. They're at Moses. They're turning from God. Uh, Romans 2 also tells us that Christians should also uh, circumcise our hearts. Our hearts must be given to God for circumcision, for cleansing. Uh, how do we get this? This wrath of God uh, is going forth like fire. That doesn't sound very good. Um, in verses 13 through 16, we see the People have heard. Now we get, the Israelites have heard, the Egyptians have heard, but the word has gone forth. The people hear and are afraid of what has happened in Egypt. What happened in Egypt did not stay in Egypt. Like, The events of Egypt sent a message, a shockwave throughout the Middle East. To any who would oppose the children of Israel, we have uh, Philistia, Adam, Moab, and Canaan mentioned. Philistia has pangs. Have you ever had pangs? Uh, Adam is dismayed. Moab is trembling. And the people of Canaan, uh, I love this, the people of Canaan are melting. There's terror and dread because of the greatness of God. Um, now, it's not in this song, but besides the terror and dread, there, there's another response. And we'll see that uh, when you get into 
Joshua chapter 2 tells us about Rahab. Rahab the harlot. Uh, She was a humble, intelligent woman. She heard about God and believed. Rahab helped the spies and the Israelites to conquer Jericho in the second chapter of Joshua. Hebrews 11 in the New Testament mentions Rahab. She is celebrated as a great woman of faith, believing in God's sovereignty. The wrath of God can be an uncomfortable topic. Uh, There's a landmark sermon from Jonathan Edwards. It's entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It focuses on the reality of God's wrath. um, And I'm just a little uncomfortable talking about God's wrath, I have to admit. But what Edwards says in, in, in one place is exactly what's going on in, in Exodus. Uh, Edwards writes, the wrath of God is like great waters that are damned for the present. They increase more and more higher, higher, till an outlet is given and longer, the stream is stopped, the more rapid and mighty its course when once it is let loose. It is true that God's judgment against your evil works has not been executed hitherto. The floods of God's vengeance have been withheld, but your guilt in the meantime is constantly increasing. And there is nothing but the mere pleasure of God that holds the waters back. Uh, Edwards hits the nail on the head. In, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul writes that they will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Uh, Romans 3 Verses 5 and 6 echo the idea. What shall, we, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? By no means. For how could God judge the world? As, as children of God, we need his loving kindness, his correction, guidance. For those who do not respond to God's love, there will be his wrath. So can we sing this? It's a, it's a wonderful song. But the Israelites needed something else. Uh, it's, it, it's tempting to wave my hand and say, they needed Jesus. But there's more to it than that. What the Israelites needed, in my opinion, is the heart that Jesus gives us. A circumcised heart. Cleansed heart. The wrath of God is going forth like fire. And that that doesn't sound good to me. How do we get right with God? Um, I'll try to keep it simple. When I start talking about the gospel, I can go off on all these tangents. It's, it's wonderful. It's exciting. 
Uh, there's so much to it, and, uh, but it starts with us. The human condition is we revolt against God. We are revolting. We, we are sinful. Uh, we, you know, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The good news, the gospel, is what Jesus has done to lead us to be right with God. Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sin, was raised from the dead, he conquered death. And like the Israelites, God saves us from the slavery to our sin, and the blood of Jesus, our Passover lamb, turns aside God's wrath. As we turn to God, confessing our sin, we, we admit, yes, God, I need you. And rely on God for strength, guidance, guidance to repent. It, it's, it's hard. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us away from our sin. We turn from sin. He restores. He rebuilds our lives. We are transformed into new creatures, born again. Look at the Israelites singing about the greatness of God at this moment. Everything is wonderful. They sing, and everything is, is when everything is great in our church, do we sing? Yeah. But what about when things go different than you expect in church? What happens if there are challenges what happens if we have work to do? Do we sing? Yeah. And our changed heart lets us meet those challenges, do that work. We're studying Ephesians on Wednesday. Uh, Terry Wood, Dave Crafton, God bless you guys for, for heading that up. Um, in Ephesians, uh, we just finished chapter 4, the Israelites look a lot like that old life before Christ described by Paul. You know, there's anger, bitterness, uh, clamor, slander, malice. You know, that's the old life. The Israelites needed new hearts, cleansed from sin, circumcised hearts, they needed hearts in love with him, not only what God can do, but in love with God, period. Are you ready to sing? Uh, music changes us. Like I said, it's transformative. It changes us. And we need to sing. We need to sing about how, how miraculous and wonderful God is, but also let's not forget our, our hearts as we sing. Is it the good news of Jesus that you sing? My prayer is that all of you this morning, uh, Christians, you would be so changed by God's love and forgiveness, you can do nothing else other than share his love. Call it evangelism, call it ministry, call it 
sharing, call it anything you want, but does his love impact you so deeply that that's who you are? My prayer is that God's love, his forgiveness of your sins would be so real to you that there would be nothing else uh, but, but, but how you can share that. And God working in your life, is he working in your life? Do you seek ways, more ways to become united with the brothers and sisters here? It's a body of Christ. We are not soldiers by ourselves. We are, we need to be united. So there's a life changed, so we share his love. A life changed, so we seek unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And a life changed so that his spirit leads us away from that old life, the life of anger, fear, bitterness, into the life of love, joy, and peace. So we can call that Christ-likeness. God's love, does it, does it impact us so much that we can do nothing else other than want to be more like Jesus, want to spend more time with Jesus? So that's you gospel-driven Christians. Uh, there may be somebody here, you're like those Israelites. You want to watch God worker work. You want to watch God crush his enemies, and that's it. But are there things that you love more than God? That's called idolatry. And it's not going to be too long before the Israelites who are celebrating the wonder of God's love here are going to be dancing around a golden cow. The, the temptation is to come to church when things are wonderful and when they're not, to leave once again. What's in our heart? Um, are there things in your life that are in opposition to God? And, and wow. Are you God's enemy waiting for his wrath? Well, we can fix that today. Uh, I would love to talk to you, love to pray with you, the other elders. Larry, Evan, Peter, love to talk to you, uh, love to pray with you, love to lead you to join our body, grow in Christ. Are we ready to commune with God? As, uh, as Peter comes to lead us in communion, our Lord's Supper, Let's celebrate not only God's greatness and how he crushes his enemies, but more importantly, let's celebrate today the changed lives that we have.
the sacrifice of his son.